Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Tyler, he, him, his. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And today, we are back with the grease paint in our veins and the, the bright lights in our faces. Only if you can find your light, though, you gotta remember to find your light. As we join back in our yearly tradition of going to the stage uh, as we talk about Broadway musicals. Tyler, I don't have to find my light. I have to make sure I turn it on. You make the light. I I made the light. I was the stage manager. You piss me off, you won't be able to find your light. (laughs) Don't turn on the follow spot for that number. Director called, said no follow spot tonight. Only specifically for for that actor. Why? They didn't go get me chicken nuggies between shows. Actually, my my punishment for actors who were goofing off was I would keep their mics on when they were backstage. Mm-hmm. No, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. You're going to get in trouble. Be quiet. Mm-hmm. Ah, the theater. The theater. Uh, and we, as I said, it's kind of becoming yearly tradition uh, in April where we come back to this. Uh, we, we basically consider April a month of just like softball episodes where we are celebrating our birthdays and we are not going to do anything that we have to like super deep dive. Think yes. about. <laughs> um, or so, things we enjoy. Or things. things we enjoy. I guess that's another way of putting it also. Yes. Um, and so we're going to be talking about the theater and Jen, I think we often come to the question of like, what's your favorite musical? What's your favorite song from a musical? I think we've done, I think we've done what's your favorite. I want song from a musical mm-hmm. before. For today, I want to know, Jen, what's your favorite 11 o'clock number, and why is it uh, I'd Rather Be Me from Mean Girls? <laughs> so the 11 o'clock is like the, I'm, I'm horrible. It's the big, the it's big the big, button. like, we're punching you in the face with this song. It's almost time to go home. But here's this absolute banger that we're going to throw at you right before we get to the falling yes, action yes, yes, of yes. the plot. I mean, you wouldn't be wrong to say I'd rather be me from me girls because mm-hmm. I do love me that number. Um, another one that came in mind, which I don't know if it's, I, I guess it's technically an 11 o'clock. I don't know. It just, it's sad. Um, is the no more from. Um, I would consider no more the 11 o'clock number of Into yeah. the Woods. Uh, yeah. And yes, also true. Uh, which is kind of rough when you think about it. <laughs> Tyler, it's the I don't big, know if you've noticed this. Moment. I like really sad songs <laughs> me too hey no no blame there um i would also say i'm just looking at my playlists and things that i enjoy um one second in a million miles from bridges of madison county is super super good i haven't heard listened to that one yet. if you have if you don't listen to any well first of all it's a really sad love story so you would really enjoy it i know i know um, the movie it's oh a yeah, fan yeah, yeah favorite in this household yeah um one second in a million miles is this like big duet they do at the end uh and it it real good it very good um i would also say let me go oh not you um let me go see i need to see the when album she was mine is that an 11 o'clock oh yeah that's an yeah. 11 o'clock that's a good one she used to be mine yeah 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 um i'm trying to find the one we're just gonna go through our phones now apparently this has just become about us talking about our favorite musicals now. And that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. I would say for a gentleman's guide, it's Stop, Wait, What? Which is this very fun patter song when the main character who's been murdering people the whole show finally gets caught for a murder he didn't commit. Which is very fun. Big big fan of a gentleman's guide in this house. It's a good time. 
that's a fantastic time. All right. But so we've we've named like a few different Yeah, ones. those are all being a live company. Yup. <laughs> also, yes. Um that one's that one's fantastic. Oh, Love and Hate Nations. Uh which one uh which one is Love and Hate Nations? Uh, oh. I was I would assume the Revolution song. Oh yeah, Revolution definitely the eleven o'clock for that one. And it's yes. very good. Hell yeah. Okay, okay. What is the <laughs> what's the eleven o'clock in SpongeBob SquarePants the musical? Uh it's best day ever. It's best day ever, that's what I assume. Yeah. I was like, is it chopped to the top or is it best day ever? It's best day ever, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So many good ones. All right. Well, we could we could go on forever, I think, here. Just a little bit. Everyone but needs a good 11 o'clock number that's either, like, really upbeat, like, yes, or just, like, stab you in the gut sad. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's supposed to be, like, climactic, right? It's yeah. supposed to be a big emotional moment. And either it's, like, you're leaving that song going, hell yeah, or you're leaving that song just going, oh, God. Yep. Mm, no in-between. No in-between. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we talked enough about our get to know you question a little bit here. Yes. So why don't I turn the microphone and the spotlight over to you as you talk about your new client. Cue Jennifer for segment one. See, that's how yeah. I do it. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, I have a new client. I am working at a local elementary school, uh, Garrison Elementary. And I'm working with a student who just came in second at the local county spelling bee. And there were some concerning comments that uh, she made during her time at the spelling bee that, like, as a school counselor, we just wanted to bring in and uh, give her a chance to kind of talk it through um, and make sure that things are okay at home because we're not quite sure anymore. This uh, student is usually really quiet and reserved and shy. She has ended up in the office a couple of times as her dad was late picking her up. Um, and But it wasn't like a huge red flag until, again, a couple of those comments. So I'm working with um, Olive Ostrovsky. Did I butcher that last name? Olive Ostrovsky. You did it. Fantastic. And... Um, Again, she uh, just recently competed in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Um, that's the name of the musical, y'all. And uh, during the time in the Spelling Bee, uh, during like a quiet moment between words, um, we kind of overheard her making a comment about the fact that her dad kind of seems to be taking out the anger she feels he feels towards their mother being away out on her. And... Um, the fact that, like, she was reserving a seat for her mom and dad who did not attend. Dad did pick her up at the end. But um, the, that one little comment was just enough of a red flag for us to kind of just do a basic assessment of how things are for her at home. And as a school counselor, sometimes it is when teachers overhear comments or concerns that you might get a referral into an office setting um, and making sure that they have the tools and resources needed if something is going on. So again, for Olive, she was the youngest student at the being sent to the spelling bee that we've had in a while. And it can be kind of overwhelming. So we just give her a chance. Um, in a school setting, we would be doing some play, basic play therapy, maybe playing a couple games. And 
art therapy, anything that can be used kind of in a portable setting. Um, most of the time, if you are the school counselor, you have an office, but if you are a brought in like marriage and family therapist, you're going to be working in whatever room they have available for you to work in at the time. So sometimes it's that extra portable, sometimes it's that room off of the library. So we want to make sure that we have whatever we need with us. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the, I was going to say shout out to the clo- the literal closet that I worked out of when I worked at an elementary school. Yep. Um, and, you know, giving our, a lot of the time we have to bring in things to have, like we are a, a transportation unit of tools. So everything needs to be kind of small and accessible. So basic games, a couple of card games, maybe um, some, some art supplies and given given the resources we might have to make things up as we go along and I feel like she would be kind of shy and reserved at first and would have difficulty um, kind of breaking out of her shell and talking about these things directly with an adult so kind of bringing in that basic here hey let's talk you know how was the spelling bee what was it like coming in second you worked so hard and kind of finding out that she threw the spelling bee for somebody else and what was that like to make that decision and given giving her an opportunity to maybe just even color and draw together as we talk before we dive into like the, hey, so I noticed that no parent showed up. That must have been hard. What was it like not having a parent show up to the spelling bee? And um, then kind of bringing in the, hey, we kind of noticed that like you made a comment about dad at home how are things at home is there anything you would want to talk about and first open it up that way and then kind of go indirectly first and that's how I like to do it is kind of see what we can get them to talk about without being directly prompted and then kind of then nudging into more direct well you mentioned that there's a lot of anger at home do you want to talk more about that And of course, you know, within the realms of confidentiality, having to communicate that we are a mandated reporter ahead of time and making sure all the informed consent and legal stuff that we've talked about previously is done ahead of time. Um, In these kind of settings, if there is an emergency red flag and they are going to pull directly into the counseling office, um, this isn't a full therapy session. So there is different needs when it comes to consent. Um, within parents so that's a different dynamic that school counselors have than just even the marriage and family therapists that maybe the parent would sign up for to have the kid go to I'm kind of blending the world of Putnam County uh, to allow me to do a little bit of both but uh, you can you know teachers do have send kids directly to uh, the school counselor if there's a situation where they think that there's abuse happening and then we would call in parents and take necessary steps from there. Um, it's not ever directly said in the musical itself if there is child abuse happening at home, but it is heavily implied that dad is taking her his anger out on her. Um, so that could just be screaming, yelling, which is not okay, even if it's just that two possible physical abuse assessments happening here and then going from there and even what it was like having mom leave for India and that abandonment dynamic. Yeah, even checking for things like possible neglect, right? Because mm-hmm. neglect is just as abusive as physical abuse, yeah. emotional abuse, or you know, sexual abuse. It's still reportable. It's still and, all reportable. Yeah. And mom just up and left to 
to go to India and dad mm -hmm. is now working all the time. And so she's at this event alone. Now she's right. got adult supervision, but like, how is that indicative of her life outside of this event? Right. right? Like, is she home alone all the time? Is she having to I cook would, for herself? That right. kind of stuff. I would want to definitely assess with the teachers and even like the lunch supervisors have, have you noticed what is this kid's lunch situation? Is it like a peanut butter jelly sandwich every single day? Is it um, a lunch? Is there a lunch happening? Is she buying lunch? Does she have money for lunch? Um, what is she wearing every day? It is it the same outfit every single day. Um, and, it's always a purple shirt and overalls every single right, time. Every single time. <laughs> Uh, and it doesn't mean that dad isn't providing clothing, but is, is there a parent home that's helping her have regular outfits to rotate through and like helping her get dressed and like just kind of noticing the condition that she's showing up for school. Is she showing up late? I kind of made the joke that dad shows up late to pick her up, but it probably isn't a joke. This is probably happening because there is an implication that dad forgets about things and is just working all the time. Is she a part of the after school care? Is she on school from morning early drop off to after school drop off? What is kind of happening here? Which that alone is not neglect. The parent is making sure that there are resources available because a lot of parents work seven to six sometimes and you need child care and that's what schools are there for. But we just want to kind of test out the conditions of how she arrives, how she leaves, what's going on in between are there things available? And again, assessing, assessing of what home life looks like. What does dinner look like? What does bedtime routine look like? And um, kind of assessing what's happening here. And she had made the comment that she would be concerned about going to nationals because who would be her chaperone? So that is another, just one of those, you know, I sometimes say pink flags, not a full violent red flag, but it is a comment that we just go, huh, we're going to pin that in the back of my brain and be mindful that there is a fear that I wouldn't have a parent available for me and continue giving her an opportunity to talk at the very least and feel like there are adults in her world that care and are there for her if needed. Um, you know, sometimes as the shy, quiet girl in the classroom, you get passed by and that everything's fine. You're just that sweet, quiet little girl who whose best friend is the dictionary. Again, not a red flag, but a very pink flag. Who are your friends? Do you have friends that you can hang out with after school? Are you communicating with others? Um, and how do you feel like you're interacting in your world? Do you feel like you have the safety to do so? And giving, giving all of the um, opportunity to have more people in her life who are on her side, who are there at least to cheer her on at the 26th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee as she is excited to go to, but she'll most likely be attending. And again, we'd be doing this with art therapy, playing games together. It wouldn't be intensive therapy right now. It might lead to more family therapy and referrals for things for dad and her to go do together if needed and whatever steps necessary based off a safety or mandated reporter situation. Um, but a assessment is kind of the phase of this conversation and moving forward from there to see how we can best help her at her time at Gerson's Elementary. And that would be my time with Olive.
Yeah, I think, you know, talking a little bit here, like we talked a lot about assessment for this character. Mm -hmm. And I think removing some of the mystery around what CPS reports are actually like. Yeah. Um, because at, at least in the part of California that we live in, uh, I will say your mileage may vary depending upon state. But right. I think people are really, really upset when a CPS investigation gets called against them. They they are rightfully very like on edge and right. defensive. What I um, hear the most is, so you are going to take away my child. Yes, which is not true. That's yeah. like a last ditch effort. If you've had and like, I'm not doing five, that. <laughs> yeah. And if you have like four or five investigations against you, that will be what happens. But mm -hmm. it and, and honestly, from different the, sources. Yeah, the, the 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 truth of the matter is it has to be four or five very severe and you are fully aware aware well aware that that is the next step. It's not yeah. a mystery at that point. Yeah. CPS is not going to try to take your kid away. They want to give you the proper support so that mm -hmm. you can you know, be the best parent you can be to this child. And that can look like, you know, getting people into like rehabilitation, drug rehab right. for a little while. It can look like getting family therapy, family therapy, parenting uh, classes. Yeah, exactly. And they so I can think help you get resources to food stamps or to housing things necessary. Get you signed up for after school programming for your kids. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like people are really afraid of what CPS does. And as a clinician, in my opinion, I'm a little frustrated that they're not more uh, more reactive to certain things. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I've told this story before. When I was a little teeny tiny baby therapist, uh, I had a client who was 12 years old and parent was driving drunk with them in the car. Mm hmm. And I called and reported that. And the CPS social worker on the other line said, it's not reportable unless we've got a toxicology report or a police report. Yep. I had a similar situation where like if a police officer were to pull them over, absolutely. Because I can, I was not physically there. It does yeah. not matter. Yeah. Uh, which in my opinion was very frustrating because yeah. my client was not being safely, you know, handled, yeah. but there's nothing they can do without hard evidence. Right. And so, you know, people saying like, oh, CPS is this horrible thing. They're going to take your kids away. I mean, even from a, a background perspective, they are very careful about what they do and very careful mm -hmm. about how they investigate and how they assess situations. Um, yeah. It's not it's definitely not a zero to 100 thing. Like no. most people. I would say all the times I've called CPS, it's either been information only, which means that they're taking it down. It is on record that this has happened. If this continues to happen as information only so many times, they're going to have to step in at some point, too. But most of the time it's not taken. Uh, and I will say, having worked with both CPS and APS, APS is actually more likely to take a report mm -hmm. by far. But they've also got more resources. They've got more people. They've got more time. Um, CPS is unfortunately very busy. Yes. Um, so I once talked to one of the CPS women because I was nice and she was nice. And she's like, can I keep you on the phone? Uh, <laughs> and uh, but we were talking about like, yeah, I, I purposely call it like 7 p.m. because I know it's the after teacher hour. Yes. Like from three to five, you get you're on hold a while because that's when all the teachers call rightfully. So because they're done yeah. with the school day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my work day ends at seven. So I never have to wait that long. They're like, yeah, after seven o'clock, it gets a little quieter around here. Yeah. So I think that's just to say, like, demystifying this thing that a lot of people are really scared about. Um, yes. It, it's honestly it, it doesn't have the teeth that you think it has. Mm -hmm. It's really there to support you and help you. It's a social support, not a like, hey, we want to take kids away from their parents. Sort right, of. Deal. That's the last thing they want to do. Yeah. So right. yes. So so tell me why. What about Olive made you choose her? Right. So first off, like, I was just trying to figure out what musical I wanted to do. Sure. Um, in general, 
and I googled you know best musicals in the you know modern times uh, and I was like rule one I have to have seen it R- rule there two you go. I have to have enjoyed it and can- would listen to the music again fair um, enough <laughs> yes and uh, we have I think recently talked about Putnam County and I was like this one's fun and it's kids and if you look at all the kids they have something really unique about them And all of them could use some therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And that unique thing is trauma. Is traumas. Um, Or even just like the reality of like, you know, the one is put in a high pressured home. Where she, you know, that I have to be the best achievement. I have to live up to expectations. I have to, I have to, I have to. Um, And other trauma related things. um, And they all could just use a little bit of help. And when going through all the different characters, you know, the I Love You song is just heart-wrenching. <laughs> Absolutely. It just, like, and, rips your heart out. Right. It was the biggest red flag song. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's do this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's so sad because it just kind of hits you in the face. A lot of the other songs are, like, fun. Even, yeah. if, they're, even if they're not, like, healthy dynamics within a family, they are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like thinking of like, I'm not that smart or I love, yeah. or I speak six languages. Right. Um, the, those characters obviously have some messed up family dynamics going mm-hmm. on. Um, but there's something about the, I love you song where it's just like, Oh no, no, no. She's abused. Like yeah. it's not, it's not that the, the other kids are having hard family lives for sure. You know, leaf is like the youngest of, I think like 10 yeah. or something. Um, and then, um, Logan, who is the Speak Slix Languages girl, mm-hmm. is an only child of two homosexual parents. And so she's like very focused on and like right. kind of made to this perfectionist level, which in itself, none of neither of those things are abusive. It's mm-hmm. just a very different like dynamic than what we would hope to see. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Olive, there's a lot of potential for abuse, neglect just like really not great stuff. And especially with the, the, the little glimpses we get at her dad being mad at her. Right. Um, there is there a line a that's like, my dad takes my, his anger out. I think my dad takes the anger. He has that on you, on me kind of line. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's a, that's a conversation, especially because like one, it does help mis- like demystify CPS. And also like we talk more about the heavy, like later therapy stuff versus Sometimes it's just sit and kind of ask the questions to see what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, move from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to part one. We'll be right back with more musicals after this little break. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about our most recent and favorites, Broadway musicals, our yearly tradition here. I just finished up with the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And Tyler, I do believe that you have a new client. Yes, we are going to stumble along haha, into the world of the Drowsy Chaperone. Um, specifically, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Drowsy Chaperone is a show about a man who is a very huge musical theater, like classic musical theater fan. And he's at home alone, feeling blue, as he describes himself, and puts on one of his favorite classic musicals. And the musical comes to life in his apartment with all of the characters like 
entering out of the fridge and like, you know, coming through different doorways and hallways within his apartment where the whole set is basically his living space. Uh, but it becomes this very grand 1920s classic musical. Um, and we are talking about the the lead in this show, the man in chair. Uh, that is his name. <laughs> so that's what we're going to refer to him as. He's just going to be man. Um, so man in chair is uh, in his, he's implied to be, you know, towards the, you know, late adulthood stage, 60s, possibly, um, maybe like, late 50s at the earliest he's definitely older um he is implied to be homosexual there is no actual like definitive line in the show where he says like i'm attracted to other men however there are definitely scenes that imply that he is you know into uh into the male form uh he's a cisgender man and uh, i'm not going to give a, a um an ethnicity for this character honestly this character can played by an actor of any ethnicity um, so we're just going to leave that there. It's not a part of what we're talking about today anyway. Um, so we're going to just leave that there. And the fact that like, I think I've, I've seen Latino actors knock this role out of the park. I've seen white actors do a very good job. I've even seen, I think there was a production I saw where there was an Asian man in chair as well, which is interesting considering some of the content of the show. Um, but uh, also yeah. it's theater. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Anyone can almost play any kind of character because absolutely true theater and it's okay (laughs) absolutely true but i wanted to make that very clear that like this character is not explicitly written to be white um the the origin of this show was that it was written as like a little mini one-act musical for someone's wedding and the man in chair was supposed to be the groom for the wedding who is white and who played this role on broadway um however this role could literally be played by anybody from any background um i just wanted to make that clear as we're going through the demographics here and we, he lives alone, and we do not know what he does for a living. It's possible he's retired. It's possible he is like a historian for musicals. We, we don't know. It's not, it's not given to us, um, mostly because he stays in his home in his robe and slippers for the entire show, um, listening to this old record of The Drowsy Chaperone. And what we're mainly talking about with him is what I am calling adult loneliness. Hey, welcome to the party. Um, and this is probably going to be a little bit of a quicker segment. We're not going to dive deep into some of his like psychological issues, but we're mostly going to be very practical talking about this thing that he would, I think he would, you know, realistically come in for therapy for. He says that he's alone in his apartment and he's feeling blue, uh, that he's feeling kind of down, uh, a, a, a sadness that he can't quite label, which for me as an act clinician is like, that's interesting. Where'd you put it away to? Why, why are you not able to label it, my guy? Um, where is it hiding? Um, but, you know, talking through like the loneliness he's feeling, which I do think is the type of sadness he's feeling here as he's alone in his room uh, and imagining that he's friends with all of these famous characters from this show that he loves. And so talking about how do we treat adult loneliness, because this is very different from treating what, you know, like teen loneliness, trying to get people involved in their peers and groups like that. Mostly because for teens and college age kids, you can go join a club. You can go do a sport on your campus. You can go to a movie night or what have you. Like there are so many events that are built in for people to connect on a college or a high school campus that just don't exist once you are out of those places. Uh, And 
that doesn't mean that there aren't events out there for adults to attend. That's actually something we would look at. I would start with him. Yeah. Like I said, it's a very practical application here where we're just going like, let's talk about how you can meet new people. For you, what is that going to look like? You live in New York, so there's obviously some limitations and some some great things there because New York has lots of stuff to do, which is nice. And so I'm going to sit down with him and just kind of make a list of like, what are the things you enjoy doing? What are the things that you like? Not your job, not your work, not the things you feel like you have to do to keep living, right? Like there's not, I'm not going to send a, send him to an event for doing the dishes. Um, but things like, you know, he loves musicals and he loves listening to these old musicals. And is it possible that there's a library around him somewhere in New York that has like a group that meets to talk about these old musicals and like listen to them, right? Like a book club, but for musicals. Possibly. Uh, I would, I would bet that that's a thing that is true. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and if not, can we help him set up something like that and make flyers and have people over and learn to open himself up to other people a little bit more rather than this sort of almost agoraphobic lifestyle that he's been living where when people come over, like there's a couple scenes in the show where his supervisor, supervisor of the building comes over. And as soon as the supervisor leaves, he like slams the door shut and like leans on the door. Like, okay, I'm so glad they're gone. And so there's almost like an agoraphobic social anxiety piece to this that I think we would have to overcome and learn to cope with. And that would be our work in therapy, but also setting up like, what do you enjoy doing? How can we get you into some events that you really enjoy? Do you want to go see this? You know, there's this old performer performing a concert. Uh, you know, do you want to go see that? Do you just like, even if you're going by yourself, you're going to have more opportunities to see other people, meet other people, talk to other people and trying to do it in a healthy way. And, I have had these conversations with a couple of my clients recently. That's part of why I thought about this character. Um, some in late adulthood and some in early adulthood who have just graduated from college and are going like, I don't know how to meet people. I work from home 100% of the time. I don't know how to meet new people. Um, and it, I think it always goes back to the same idea that I tell people when they're looking for a relationship. If you build it, they will come. Uh, it's the one sports reference I make. I'm sure I've made it on this podcast before. But the idea of like, go live a life that you find enjoyable. That is how you will meet new people. You know, if you love a craft beer, uh, we're in Southern California. That's mm -hmm. a thing that happens. Go to a local brewery, have a beer there. Talk to your bartender. If there's nobody that you're willing to talk to, on, you know, that's another patron. Talk to your bartender. If nothing else, you've now talked to somebody that's not somebody you knew before. And even if it's just like, hey, can I get this drink? They're like, yeah, how are you doing today? You know what? I'm doing all right. How are you? Like, it's a very surface level conversation, but it's more conversation than you would have had if you hadn't done that, right? And I'm a big believer in this, but also understanding like people have different energy levels for it. And so learning, teaching them how to manage their social battery is another part of this as well. Of like, if you get to the, if you get to the parking lot at the brewery and you're like, I do not want to go in there, then don't, <laughs> don't force yourself. Right. Tyler, uh, I love that you said social battery. I literally have a sticky note that has a picture of a battery pack and one of them oh, has the word social on that's them. That's awesome. And this is the visual aid I use with clients. Yeah. <laughs> And so like if your battery's empty or if you're like talking to somebody, you're mid-conversation, you're like, oh, I am exhausted. I'm tired. I need to go home. Then go home. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. that big of a deal, right? If it's somebody that you've been enjoying talking to, see if they have social media or try to get their phone number or their email, something. Uh, it's 2023. There are lots of ways to get into contact with people and get some information from them. If they go, hey, you know, we just met. I'm not super comfortable with that. 
cool. That's not a rejection of you. That's a you know rejection of the way our society works as far as connecting people so far. And go home. It's okay. You know, if you see them at that same place again later, same restaurant, same coffee shop, same, you know, meetup group that you're a part of, that's awesome. Go go do those things so you can interact with people in a way that feels comfortable and genuine for you. But so that way you're also just not sitting at home lonely, right? And, you know, it's that same idea of like everything has a balance. Obviously, like this is not something I'm going to ask clients to do every single night. One night a week, maybe. One night every two weeks even depending on how extroverted, introverted they are, how, you know, how much work energy they feel means. they have, work yeah. schedule. Yeah, like one night a week, one night every two weeks, maybe even one night a month. But that's going to get you out of the house. It's going to get you doing stuff. You're not just going to be sitting at home, lonely, listening to records and getting really sad. Um, and this is the part of ACT that was, is commitment to behavior, right? This is the, the final stage, which I don't think I talk about a lot here. I talk more about the acknowledgement and understanding parts, the first couple parts, but the like commitment to behavior is like, I want things to change. And if things need to change, I have to be the one to change them. I have to be the one to do the thing. Just going to therapy is not enough. You've got to go and do the stuff to make the change in your life. And for a lot of clients, it's scary to make change in their life. And we talk through those anxieties. We talk through that fear of like, what's making it so scared, scary for you to move on to this? Well, what if I'm, I do this thing that's really uncomfortable, and then I'm even more unhappy? And I go, well, are you happy now? Because you're in here talking to me about how unhappy you are. Maybe this thing will make you happier. And if it doesn't, you can always go back, right? Like, I, you can always change your behavior backward to what you were doing before. And most people do at some point, <laughs> if we're being honest. But it, there's a no lose situation here. You can try the new thing out, see if it fits for you. And if it does, awesome. Now you're not lonely anymore. Now you're spending time with people. And if you don't, that's okay too. You can always go back to your apartment and listen to some records. It's totally okay. There's no, like, there's no shame in either of those things. I'm just hearing that you're saying I'm lonely and I'm giving you an option to help work with that. And if you don't do it, you don't do it. It's fine. I'm not going to yell at you. I don't give clients homework. I don't say like, hey, I'm going to give you a bad grade in therapy. You're ready to change when you're ready to change. <laughs> and if you're still in that pre-contemplation stage where you're like, I don't know about this. I need to think about it more. That's fine. That's where we're going to stay. We're going to talk about what it means to be you know, weighing those options and looking at those opportunities and then going, okay, well, eventually you do have to do something or it's all going to stay the same. What's the thing that you want to do? And you can start with something super small. For my clients who are severely depressed, the smallest thing I ask them to do is just take their foot out of the covers, right? Like it's not even get out of bed. It's just take one foot out from under the blanket. Why? Because now you're scared the monster under the bed is going to get your foot and your foot is cold and not comfortable. And it's a small thing that you can do. And if you put your foot out there and it's out there for like an hour and you're like, I'm not getting out of bed. Pop it back under the covers. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to. I'm not here to be your parent. Like that's not my job. But if you get the foot out of the covers, you're like, ah, oh, this is super uncomfortable. Maybe I should like sit up. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's a that's a huge step in the right direction. And so with him, we would be working on these little things. Hey, can you leave the house for a little while, even if it's not like to go to an event or something? But like, go down the street to a coffee shop. Go to a bookstore. I'm sure this dude would love a bookstore. Mm -hmm. um, you know. 
if he's in New York, go to the drama bookshop. That's a that's a place. <laughs> um, you know, go to these things that you enjoy and then start sort of start slowly building up to social interactions and more social interactions with other people. It's exposure therapy, basically, if you're talking CBT. If you're talking act, it's commitment to behavior. If you're talking narrative, it's reconstructive of a reconstruction of an old narrative. It's so fun how all of these theories all kind of they end up in the same lap. place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but And in feminist, it would be empowerment, right? You're giving mm -hmm. him the choice. And he gets to choose that for himself. And hopefully he does and moves forward. And if not, we'll process what the blocks are to get there. But like I said, kind of short, kind of sweet, just a little practical application. Right. With my guy, the man in chair. And it's something that I talk to almost every adult client about at some point, too, of the adult how to make a friend. Because yeah. we no longer are forced in school settings where you are with someone every day for five years, seven yeah. years, four years of high school, whatever it is. Now in college, great, there's a club I can go sign up for. How do I meet people as an adult and not be creepy? Yeah. Well, what you do is you be an introvert and then you wait for an extrovert to come adopt you. You wait till an extrovert friend comes to you and go, hey, <laughs> has anyone ever told you you really look like this one comedian person? And, and you go, no, friend but I totally see it. <laughs> goes, oh my God, is that a Doctor Who sweater? And I go, yes, yes, it is. And then we And then you make friend. a podcast together. Yes. I'm that extrovert friend. You are the extrovert friend who goes and adopts all the introverts. And thank you for your service. You're welcome. <laughs> and with that said, just advocating for us extrovert friends we get tired too y'all it's okay yeah absolutely <laughs> we can say no to <laughs> um, absolutely gotta advocate for us extroverts our battery pack does eventually drain or become that's overcharged true. and that's an yeah. issue too yeah so but why this musical why this man in the chair well first of all i love this musical it's so good i highly recommend to listen to it um, there is some stuff that is kind of cringe worthy, but it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. um, remember you're like listening to a musical from like the twenties or the forties. Like it's supposed to be cringe worthy. Um, there's some stuff that is like blatantly racist. There's some mm -hmm. stuff that is kind of really not, not kosher now. And this music musical came out in like the, the late aughts. Um, it was a different time. I don't yeah. think this musical could be made now. Um, but the pair they are doing it from a place of parody and i think that that really helps um and it also helps when you don't cast white actors in some of those race uh bending roles that they are mm -hmm. parodying um for example there's a character uh who plays a latin lothario in one part of the show and then in the second act the wrong record gets put on and it's like a king and i uh parody and he plays the king but he does that very stereotypical like switching r's and l's mm -hmm. um yeah. accent should not be a white actor <laughs> no definitely not uh, and i've seen it done with a white actor and it's rough mm -hmm. um so what i can say is like there's definitely some stuff in the show that's not cool now but the show itself the themes of it are all really great mm -hmm. the parody of like golden age musicals is really funny especially mm -hmm. if you are familiar with like oklahoma and my fair lady and like all those like you know older shows uh it's just so funny music man is another one it's just so well done so very funny um and the the last song of the show the finale uh which i would say is probably also an 11 o'clock there's a, a couple songs before it that are also probably applicable there 
um, is this song called As We Stumble Along. And in the original show, it is depicted as the drowsy chaperone. So she's drowsy because she's drunk. That's the joke. Um, and she like sings this song as we stumble along. It's this big ballad about being a drunk, right? It's this idea of like, like as we as we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and turn home when the sun starts coming up, like she's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the show, the man in chair starts singing it. And I'm getting emotional now because I'm really tired today. So <laughs> please bear with me. Um, he starts singing it from this place of like a very human, like we don't know where we're going. Mm-hmm. And he's alone in his apartment. I'm getting so emotional right now. <laughs> um, he's alone in his apartment and he's like playing the ukulele. And then all, of, or no, he's not playing the ukulele. He's just singing. And then one of the characters from the show comes out with the ukulele. I am crying. It's What's real good. It's real yeah. good. What's wrong uh, and with all, is and you like, get crying. I get angry. We talked about yeah, this beforehand in yeah. those 11 o'clock number songs. I get yes. pissed off and you cry. And that's okay. Yeah. That's who and, we are. And uh, and so like the characters slowly start coming out and comforting him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that's how the show ends. That's a beautiful so you can tell, uh, moment. I definitely emotionally relate to this character in a lot of ways. So I think yeah. that's also part of the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And also part of why I'm crying on recording. Which I think this is the first time we've had that happen. Um which in, I'm gonna like, be mean. It's kind of amazing because we talk about sad things, and you you do cry more. I'm usually than pretty I do. good. Usually uh, pretty yeah, good? yeah. I'm usually pretty good here, but hey, two and a half years, I finally cried on recording. So there you go. Love that for me. It happens. Yeah. Um, but happens. that's I think that's I think us right. That's us yes. for this one. I think we're done. That's I'm gonna it. go cry now. Go listen to some amazing musicals. Go find a musical. There's a lot of good ones out there. Support your local theaters. Yeah, listen to any of the ones we just talked about. Uh, I would. I also highly recommend Six or uh, The Lightning Thief. Those are the two most yes. recent ones that I've listened to. Um, Beetlejuice is also good, but it's really, really popular, so I don't think it needs a plug here. Yes, uh, but any of the ones we named in our 11 o'clock moment, yeah. go listen to them. They're a lot of fun. Support your local go theaters. Listen, go listen to a musical, and especially if you feel like musical theater isn't for you. There is um, a musical that would be though. Yeah, there are there are musicals that have indie rock feels. There are musicals that have like '60s girl group feels. We talked about Love and Hate Nation. There's musicals that are totally wrapped, like mm-hmm. Hamilton and In the Heights. Basically, anything Lin Manuel Miranda writes. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, there are all sorts of different musicals for different people who like different styles. Um, if you love indie music, check out Once. Uh, Once mm-hmm. is amazing and incredible. Uh, if you love like hard rock music spring awakening is a great one for you i'm not a huge fan but i love spring awakening (laughs) you would (laughs) y'all i like sad angsty things yeah no you would absolutely you would uh uh, but yeah there's there is a show for you out there we just have to find it not everything is that like jazz hand no uh you know big i don't like a lot of the classic theater that's fair it's too much i like the more like modern day stuff yeah. I do like modern reinterpretations of classic theater, though. We Th- could talk those, about that probably for another hour. <laughs> yeah, those get a little bit better. Like, we joke about Sexy Oklahoma. Yeah, shout out to Sexy, sexy Oklahoma. Sexy Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, but there's something out there for you, and go enjoy the world of it. Go feel it. It is awesome. With all that said, thank you for listening. If you want to give a like, a five stars, a comment, especially a share we love it if you would share us to your friends. That would be amazing on whatever platform you listen on. You can go follow us at Stories with Shrinks on Instagram when I post when I feel like it. 
Um, our stories have been pretty active lately because I enjoy 2 a.m. scrolling. Um, but there's a lot of <laughs> mental health awareness stuff from different advocacy groups across the, the grams. But also we, we kind of, we sneak peek our episodes and yeah. all that fun stuff over there. So go like and follow. And thanks again for listening. Be kind to yourselves, y'all. Bye. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. Mm-hmm.